With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. And War Chant TV. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house. If you want to find us on Twitter? You can at Jay Cameron Show. If you're watching the program on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn myself up. Turn the camera up. Move. I'm getting yelled at by the director right at the start of the show. Just the Jeff camera. We need the Jeff camera up. Oh, I like it. There you go. There you go. Hey, look, everybody. I'm waving to you. My hands are on top of you. Look at that. Uh, they haven't seen anything yet. You haven't switched it over yet. I'm on to you guys. My shenanigans is getting ignored by the audience of viewers. All right, there's the switchover. Now the eyes start popping up. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. That's I missed right. everything. Don't I missed try anything fancy now. Don't try and show off because they can see you now. <laughs> in a way we go, in a way we go. Good to be with you on a Balls McWednesday. How's everybody doing out there? Everybody all right? Feeling okay? Moved on? Feeling uh, ready to go? Kind of back in the saddle? We had a long conversation on yesterday's Seminole Headlines about uh, the future. And every time you have a conversation about the future, at least when it pertains to Florida State, of course, that brings about much angst. But also uh, the future of college football in general, you get that. You get that. Uh, You get the big sort of, what is going to happen with this damn thing that we love so much? I agree. I'm a little bit more patient than I used to be. Not patient in terms of how quickly and how soon you know we'll get back to where we need to be. Uh, I'm running. I, I think I'm running out of patience for that. I think I'm starting to get uh, frustrated by it, but not um, not to the point where I act irrationally or flip out or anything like that. But college football, the concerns of. Uh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that happened today. I did an interview today that will air on the SiriusXM golf show that I do with Trey tonight. Uh, and that show, Beyond the Tips, we interviewed Pearson Cootie. Now, this pertains to NIL. This pertains to uh, college football and the discrepancy between, I think, what was intended with NIL, how it's actually being implemented, the lack of rules, no oversight from the NCAA, The member institutions not knowing really exactly how to handle third-party entities. Like, all of this stuff, right, it comes to fruition. It's very fascinating to watch play out. 
I don't think it favors Florida State. It certainly hasn't up to this point. But, yeah, we had Pearson Cootie on. He's the number one ranked PGA Tour college golfer. And, they, and, they, and the PGA Tour sponsors this college golf rankings. It's a relatively new thing. Our own John Pack was number one at the end of last year, and that's, that's really cool. He was their first. Their very first yeah. number one yep. player. Yep. Pearson Cootie out of Texas is the current number one player, and we interviewed him. I talked to him this morning. It's not the first time I've talked to him, but it's the first time we had an at-length interview. He's a great kid. I wish him well. Obviously, if Texas plays Florida State, I hope they lose to Florida State. But other than that, I root for that kid. I hope he does well. Uh, he's got a proper golf name. He, that's not an interior defensive lineman's name. Yeah. By the way, there's a golfer in college who you've heard of because he's been really good and had success and is coming back for his final year of golf, Cole Hammer. That has a really good name. Cole Hammer's a good name. If you're a pitcher, a hitter, a golfer, anything involving striking of any kind, Cole Hammer's a good name. It is a very good name, and that's a, uh, that's a name I heard at a young age for him because for, what, for whatever reason, when the U.S. Am is on, the final of the U.S. Am, and it's been on Fox in recent years, it's back on NBC, Yeah, I find a way to it. It's like six holes in. I'm like, oh, babe, it's the U.S. Am again. Look at this. A yeah. kid named Victor Hovland. Oh, a young man named Cole Hammer. Yeah. Um, so, anyhow, I, uh, I thought that was interesting. And, uh, and, and so I, I talked with him and, and about NIL deals, and we talked about people in general with NIL. You saw that, um, that uh, John Daly's son has an NIL deal with Hooters. That kid's going to be the envy, if he's not already, of all folks who have NIL deals. How good is that? He's already started with pictures and the like hanging out at the Hooters. That's, it's his job. He's paid to go hang out at the Hooters. That's right. Well, that's what John does at Augusta every year. John holds court at the Augusta Hooters. I learned that from some friends who were up there. Like It's put on the marquee. Hang out with John Daly. He's going to be here all week. Yeah. So it makes me laugh. Uh, that said, what we were talking about was the fact that Cole Hammer and a couple of other players are going to rep Tom Brady's gear. And he's identified a couple of people. And you know Brady's people are going to do their background. They're going to do their research. They're going to figure out how to promote a brand. Um, and, and if you're making athletic clothing, which is what he's delving into now, you got to identify, if you're going to use it for NIL purposes, guys where, in his mind, it's a win-win. They're gaining exposure at just the right time. He's betting on their future, that they're going to be PGA Tour players, that they're going to be good ones. And there's an expectation. Here, I'll give you a little bit of money up front. You wear my gear. But now you're committed to me in some way. Your soul is mine. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. like, it's a win-win for both parties in that situation. Where Corey and I were talking about Florida State or anybody else yesterday is this is taking a hard right turn to something I don't think anybody intended, which is that even though there are rules set against it, we know this isn't how it's being done, that players who've never played it down for you have to see the money they're going to make through your NIL entity before they ever even consider coming to play for you. And this would be kids coming out of high school. This would be transfer portal guys, all of that, who've never played it down for Florida State. Now, I understand the deals wouldn't kick in until they're on campus, enrolled, participating as part of it, but it's not so, quote, quote unquote, supposed to be an inducement. You're not supposed to be able to say, if you do this, then then you get this. Here's how. That's not the idea. But that's how it's being used. 
That's how it's going to be used until there is some sort of regulatory body. Uh, hopefully one comes soon, but I think this is a natural thing for really anything in, in society, whether it's an economic structure, which is what this is, a social structure, there's, a, you know, the pendulum swings. Yeah, we got to figure it out. And it overcorrects the other way. That means that you're going to find the middle ground soon. You don't, you don't radically change a system and then, you know, naturally nail it on the first try. That's not how it works. It's going to swing the other way, and if that makes people like Dabo queasy, all the better for it. But no, coaches any, have been anything I mean, makes Dabo queasy. Uh, you know, black people having rights. I mean, I, that probably upsets Dabo. But anyhow, well, what I'd say is with coaching salaries, for example, like you know, how exponentially crazy did it get for coaches to go from you know head coaches to be making a million to now oh, five seven to two million to four five nine coordinators. Yeah. I remember when Will Muschamp. People are saying it's nuts. A million dollars for Will. A million dollars for a coordinator? Now coordinators are making two, two and a half. So, you know, clearly the money is there. We've all known that for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And now the players might be getting too much too soon? Okay, good. That's a good problem. That's a much better problem than never yeah, getting but, any. Yeah, no, no. But we, we have to swing it back the other way once it, once it runs its course here. And, and these are separate things in my mind, by the way. I, I think that you can say, yeah, I'm pro player, or I think this is too much. Either way. Either way, you can say I'm really worried about how this is where this is this is unsustainable. That's a fair argument. It is, uh, or you can say no. You know, it's about damn time. The NFL's had free labor for years. These universities, as in order to not show a profit, have been coaches twelve million dollars, facilities with chocolate fountains and stupid putt putt courses and the like. Yeah, that's all true. Everything's true there. It's also not sustainable. This situation here, where in order to get a recruit to come to your school, if he's a top one hundred player, you may have to give him two point five million dollars. Yeah, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> it's gonna work, and that's where the market itself, in this case, is gonna say, "All right, f this." Yeah, because yo, you need me to cut another check yeah. and another one. That's where the boosters are gonna get sick of it. They're gonna be like, "Oh, oh again? I, yeah, again? Yeah." Um, I think that's always gonna be the case, uh, right? They're gonna be worried. I, I want to address. The, so let's we'll get back to this in a second. So what? There are a couple people asking about this, and they already brought it up in the middle here about um, transfer portal what we need, what's going to happen, and then our guys that are entering it. And obviously, we had a tight end uh, enter the transfer portal. Guys, I got to tell you, I don't spend a ton of time worried about the transfer portal, only that I'd like to know if there's a kid who's interested, and we all follow that. Lord knows we know. We all follow that. But that said, when you tell me that a tight end, one of ours, has entered the transfer portal – I don't even look at the name. I go. And then I say, will a second follow? How about a third or a fourth? How about every last one of those bastards hit the transfer portal? Don't worry about it, boys. We need to make some room here. And none of those guys can play. So it's all right. When you hear <laughs> that the transfer portal is affected, that Florida State has had a tight end submit his name to said portal, you just smile and say, that's what I'm talking about, and move on, and hope to hear a second and third name follow from the same position group. Because, damn it, man, that has been an albatross around the neck of this roster, is looking out there at the 500 tight ends that can't play a lick. There are guys out there that I look at, I'm like, I'm not sure he was that good in high school. His local high school, wherever that was, I don't think so. That, that's how bad that tight end position group is. So, 
I mean, Cam McDonald's an exception, and he's not great. And after that, yeah, Wyatt maybe. Brian Courtney is a good receiving tight end in the next two years. Yeah, but he's a true freshman who yeah. can't play right now, and uh, yeah, so that's that's where you're at. So it'll be it's, it, okay. Take it on down the road. That's good news. I told you, you know, if you could find an H back, like a good one, they will like even if they're average as an H back, so they can block a little bit. They care to. And they can catch the ball if the ball comes their way. They don't make crazy catches, but they make the ones they're supposed to. You'll fall in love with that guy in this offense immediately. Mm. Immediately, that dude will have a home and will be open in a lot of occasions. This offense schemes up that position specifically. You can see all the ways they set it up with the left and the right. The seam pass should be a huge part of this well, offense. Yeah, there's a couple things there that have always bothered me a little bit. Um, a... Uh, Jordan Travis's inability to hit the seam pass with any regularity uh, or accuracy consistently, uh, and then B, the guys that we have that we're trying to hit there, especially if they're an H-back slash tight end type, um, they're not dynamic a- in any way. And so you're kind of like, well, if that were complete, it'd be stopped right there. Uh, you know, second and four. But, but that's, that's still, hey. those are still plus hey. yardage. That's, that's still plus yardage. You're right. It is still plus yardage. i like us to get to a point where both improve, where the possibility of yards after catch exists, something up the seam with a tight end, and Jordan's ability to recognize it and hit it in rhythm accurately, for they could uh, perhaps uh, gain said yardage with that ability after the catch. Perhaps. that That would be... Uh, ideal. Somebody asked about Burrell moving to tight end. I yeah. Look, I, I, this has been part of my assessment on the whole about Joshua. When you stand on the practice fields and watch Joshua Burrell, you say, uh, "There it is." Yeah, I got it in early today. Hey, hey now, hey. wording, phrasing. There it is. Hey, what a way to start today. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Uh, yeah, balls big Wednesday at that, buddy. So. What I said uh, about him is when we're standing there watching, you look at that kid and you go, damn, that is a a potential NFL body. Now, he's not an NFL player, but it's it's an NFL body. He and Cam McDonald. You look at those guys, whoo, if you just saw that guy walking around, you're like, if you didn't know them from Adam – and somebody said they're, they're a football player. And if even if somebody said that's a they're, they're a rookie in the NFL, you'd be like, mm, well, it looks it. You know, neither play that way. Uh, but, but what I would tell you is that Burrell is, n- in my opinion, never going to be uh, a player for us out on the outside. He- he's never going to be a wide receiver. Not, not that plays with any regularity and makes any plays or does anything special. Probably not. It's the second year so. on campus. Yeah, no, I, I'm not ripping the kid. He's 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 a tweener in that he's he's big and a little little um, uh, cumbersome, um, little little lumbering because he's so big. Uh, but he's too small to be a tight end, and he's too big to be uh, anybody you're hitting on some sort of nine. You know, like that ain't going to be him. So I don't know what he becomes. I would lean towards him continuing to put on size because he's got the frame for it and maybe actually go into to a tight end position or some sort of hybrid position uh, where he could be more effective because uh, I don't think it's going to be at receiver. Uh, and, and, I, and I think this camp kind of proved that too, by the way. I, I saw zero growth in him. 
Yeah, well, he was just not as noticeable. Like Kentron, for example, is a player that even though it was mostly with the twos, I can tell you eight plays he made where I'm like, mm, well, that, that'll They're all work. back shoulder throws. They're all back shoulder throws. They're all throws. back shoulder throws <laughs> or, from the backup quarterback. Or fades to the back pylon, things like that. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I mean, he's got that down. But if you ask me, like, what is Josh Burrell run as his best route? I'm like, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell well, you. Well, there's no, not one that he gets open with. That's why you don't know. Now, if he's lined up on the end of the line or in the backfield and you can free him up on a linebacker, yeah, yeah that, that could work. Yeah. That could work. But, yeah, it's just it's hard to see him climbing the depth chart to a place where you're going to notice him on Saturdays when we're not playing FCS competition. Yeah. No. I So that's fine. Um, and it's not exactly a loaded receiver room. No, either. not at all. It's one that needs to add a player. It's uh, something we're going to be watching very closely uh, as far as transfer portal guys go. We're going to circle that because I think they got to find somebody. They have been both really unlucky. Of course, they failed. Uh, Ron Dugan's failed to bring receivers in during the recruiting cycle. Um, you know, he may have identified people, but he failed to get yeses on the line, which was dotted. And um, that raised the ire, obviously, of all of us covering this team because, you know, that hasn't been a strong position, and then you don't exactly live up to it off the field either in recruiting. That's a problem. Uh, so, you know, we keep a close eye on that situation. Uh, but I, they, they've been really unlucky. They, Winston Wright, I, who knows if he would have been a star. I'm not trying to tell you that kid would have been a star. But we do know 100%, this is factual evidence, we've looked at it, we've seen it at the Power 5 level, that he's a productive player. That he's a guy that plays in college football games on Saturdays in the Power 5 and is productive. And you got a yes for him in the transfer portal. And he arrived. Now, he's out there for the first couple of practices before anything really gets going. And then there's a tragedy with an accident, a car accident. I mean, that's unfortunately a really a central theme these days with car accidents. And I hate it for everybody involved. Obviously, tragedy matters much more than, than what somebody does on a football field. But it's just, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Just the, and you can't afford to wallow in self-pity. And you can't, you know, I mean, listen, again, there are bigger things. It's not a good look to, to talk about the victimhood you feel for, um, maybe not getting a kid because of a car accident, getting a kid who's then involved in a car accident. You can't really do that. No coach is ever going to do that. It's not a good look for me or players to do it, but it's a reality. It is a reality. It, does, it is a thing that has happened that has affected this group, and you just kind of throw your hand. You, you have to resist in a weird way, just throwing your hands to the sky going, anything else? Anything else? Well, they're better at the position now this year. They already are. Pittman makes them better immediately Pittman does no doubt that slides you to uh third option is like a pokey at, as a three not bad you just need more consistency out of johnny wilson or malik mcclain on the outside and if you can get a little bit of that and even if it's they split the game you know it, it, there's no rule that says you got to be out there for all 80 snaps and hopefully we're running 80 to 85 snaps at minimum per game so if you can get a little consistency out of both of them where they give you three to four catches a game for a touchdown and a total of 80 yards all right you've got a position there Pittman clearly is going to be a weapon. Pokey could help you there. I mean, you know, it's not ideal. You probably could use another body, but it's better than it was last well, you year. You got to have another body. I, I think, it, it, like I'm, I'm really excited to see what they what options they explore. There are a lot of names in the portal right now. There are more going in. There are more going to go in the rest of this week. Yeah, you got. You're going to see it now. I yeah, mean, this got, this is the reality. Ten days and change. Yeah. So. 
there is still time to to see uh, them. You know what angle they take and who they target and whether or not they get yeses there. Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Good to be with you on a Balls Wednesday. Hope you're well. Uh, Georgia Southern is apparently really good. Four State plays Georgia Southern today, and um, they are ranked in the top 25. You look at the RPI numbers, they're a top 10 team. They've got wins over teams that have beaten our ass. So it will be interesting to see uh, if we keep the streak rolling. And it's cool when you throw out a new starter for a, for a weekday game because you're manipulating the pitching staff. And so uh, yeah. let's see let's see what happens. First sign of trouble, though. For, you know, first sign of trouble. You want to win this ball. It's an important midweek game because of the implications yeah, for the, the RPI. And you've gone and messed around for a good stretch of the season that you want to host in Hauser. You want to have you want to have other people see the beautiful garnet walls <laughs> in the outfield of, of Dick Hauser Stadium. So Carson Montgomery is moving into that Sunday role, and he would mm-hmm. normally be starting this role. And Ross Dunn has been sucking, so he got uh, pulled from his position as a, a weekend rotation uh, guy, and that's unfortunate. But he's not pitching well. I, I thought it was past due. Good to see it. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll move from here. And Jackson gets the start tonight, and we'll see how he does. I'm just interested to see what happens now with the closers role. Are we sticking with Scalaro? Because that's dumb. We yeah, shouldn't. No, he, he, he struggled. We shouldn't. Yeah, he struggled. I so. thought he'd be the midweek starter. He he looked good when he pitched against the Gators. That mm-hmm. okay. That's a good change of pace. People are so used to 95 down the black, even even in the college level, because the seams are lower, the the speeds are up. You throw mm-hmm. a junk thrower at him, they don't know what to do for three innings. It's a nice way to keep people off balance. Maybe Scalaro will be a long man. But I was hoping just after seeing it, and I get that you got to take care of the kids' wishes, and Montgomery projects as a starter at the next level, so you don't necessarily want to keyhole him as a closer. But, man, that could serve as such a weapon for this group. Helps to miss bats. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you get into the postseason, too, and things shorten up a little bit, I, that might be a role, although you don't like to thrust somebody into a role they haven't had to fulfill over the course of a season at all. You know, you'd like to see how they handle that. But, yeah, he's got stuff. Yeah, that stuff is it's the kind of stuff that misses bats, and well, that's ideal for uh, for a closer. I, I know that, obviously, the way the game is played now, this is a discussion for even Major League Baseball. I, I have a theory that if you've got three or four players at the top of your rotation in Major League Baseball or two guys in you know college baseball that throw basically the same stuff or very similar stuff, you're almost better breaking them up so that the tendency mm-hmm. can be broken. Mm-hmm. For example, back in the day... With my ball club, the first place Mets this year, mm. you've got four dudes We're already who, vaunted uh, first place Mets. Huh? Well, you know, <laughs> you got to get it while you can. They look good. Yeah, you got four dudes who can throw ninety eight from the right side. Mm-hmm. 
And then you've got uh, Levon Hernandez back in the day, or, or Bartolo Colon type. Levon lacks his money. How about you throw Bartolo in the middle of that action? Because people are like, what is this? What is this? this? Yeah. A, you know, it's 90 and it breaks every which way. Yeah. Maybe Scalaro could be somebody to break up the weekend fold, and then you let Hubbard pitch on Sundays or something. You break, you break up the, uh, as the as the announcers love to say, the high velo. <laughs> they they really have adopted what? that term, Why? haven't they? Why? It's, is velocity so, you know, velocity, is that so... You can't say it. You got to. We got to abbreviate that. They they won't when it's uh, exit velocity. Notice they usually say exit, exit velocity. velocity. Yeah, yeah, they don't the say exit thing. velo. No, because there's something extra pompous about extra velo. Exit velo or yeah. exit velo. Yeah. yeah, or he came at him with a little extra velo there. Okay, don't do that. It's uh, it's a little bit like when football announcers decided to never say pass interference and only say pi. That's P.I. Got to call that there. You don't like that? It's pass interference. Just say pass interference. Are we that lazy? We can't say that that's pass interference? I know your favorite was uh, M.A.'s by uh, Kenny. Kenny Dillingham. Oh, yeah. That he, that got you immediately. Like, you didn't let that slide the first day that he started calling missed assignments M.A.'s. It's Why? Are we in that big a hurry? Where's everybody going with that uh, extra half second you just saved? I will never call this show the JCS ever. Well, you can call it the JCS. That's fine. I mean, abbreviations for shows, first of all, are fairly common oftentimes. But if we're just talking about, like, would you... So, so for example, um, the kid that's pitching tonight uh, is a sophomore. We'd be like, well, we're going to throw the soft. We're going to go ahead and go with the soft. Everybody's looking around. Sophomore? He's a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's duh. Tough. Yeah, I mean, what did you think I was talking about? That's what I said. Yeah. Is he a lefty or a righty? He's an RT. Throws it from the uh, from the RT. What does the T stand for? Right. We're abbreviating IGH. Notice there are two right angles and a T. <laughs> <laughs> Four if it's lowercase. Yeah. It's very special. He's an RT. Just keep... I'm going to start doing it for everything. The LHP? <laughs> Pitcher, yeah. Well, we need another LHP. Come on, meet! If you go back and you look at all the RTs, we're missing an LHP. I don't know how this team's going to get it done. You could... <laughs> Anyhow, it became a big thing. Meet! And, uh... Go to the BP for an LHP! <laughs> we need to go one, two, three! And that, by the way, was an MA. He's got to cover that. That's the infielders. <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Closer and closer, closer and closer to the NBA draft. No, that would be the NFL draft, not the NBA draft. But the NFL draft is what I intended to say, and so I reiterate the celebration that we will have for said NFL draft at, uh, at Bumpus. I look forward to it. Local yeah. 349. That's right. Great food there. Really good food. Looking forward to the Uncle Sal. It'll yeah, be crushed. It's been a while since you've had an Uncle Sal, I bet. Since our War Chance staff meeting back in football season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm overdue. I... Um, I'm looking forward to uh, setting up shop there and sitting down and watching how this draft plays out. I think it's a fascinating one. I think there's you know, a lot of room and a lot of movement for all of that. So uh, as far as uh, 
number of picks, multiple picks that several teams have. I talked about this on uh, Monday, but you got you got a lot of room for maneuvering here for a lot of teams that either want to move up or move out from where they are. I I, I get why you'd want to do both in this draft, depending on your need. A lot has happened since the last time we hosted an NFL draft party. Just talking about you know around these parts. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's been yeah. It feels like nonstop. Feels like nonstop stuff. Just constant stuff. Debo Samuel is a really good player, and he has told the 49ers he wants out. I would tell him no. That's what I would say if I were San Francisco. But why do I bring it up? Well, he's a really good player and kind of matters if he is, in fact, uh, negotiating to get out. He's been unwilling to engage in long-term contract discussions, which has got to be infinitely frustrating if you're San Francisco because that's a guy you want to lock up. And uh, he's requested a trade, and that could impact the draft. That's why I'm bringing it up to begin with. And these kinds of things often do uh, impact the draft. But, man, that's a high-quality player to add to your roster if, uh, if you're willing to seed with uh, some picks there. I, I, I would be. Yeah, if there could be room made in Tampa, I was I would, just I would about to say, it, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, could we send you Godwin, and then you could negotiate a long-term deal with Godwin, and we'll get Debo Samuel? I would do that because that dude is so versatile. Yeah, it, it, my only fear with him is they've used him so much he has taken a beating. So even though he's twenty-six, it feels like a very seasoned twenty-six, like a twenty-nine. But I get you. Godwin, too. He's taking a beating, too. So Right. I'm just, you know, for the Bucks. I think this might be it this year unless the cap goes up a, an amazing amount in 2023. I think this might be the last ride for all involved. I was looking at the cap implications. Not, yeah. I, I didn't uh, mind for it myself, but uh, Greg Allman from The Athletic was posting where they are right now. All that restructuring is set to come due in 2023 unless they do more restructuring. But right now, as it stands today, the Bucks will be $30 million over the cap next year. So... Make it count this year, guys. Let's go. You're right. You're right. Uh, I, it, it feels like a bonus year. Yes. Like we very much dodged a bullet in Tampa. Right. Uh, you know, I, I have said to those that, and there are plenty, if you don't root for the Bucks, you're tired of the Bucks, And I would be too if I root, especially if I was a team rooting for anybody in the NFC South, I'd be like, okay, they, they, can, they can move along here. But, alas, I do root for the Bucks, and they can all suck it. Because we've got another great year coming. And that said... And the NFC is a little lighter. A little bit lighter yeah, in competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think um, the difference is when the mortgage comes due. When you've got to pay up for all of the wrangling that you had to uh, engage in in order to win. Uh, it should be noted that the rest of that sentence is win a Super Bowl. It's okay! Again... You can revel in the downfall of excellence only if you note that that excellence reached the very, very pinnacle of success. Uh, the apex was, in fact, another ring. Yeah. I mean, that's going on in Tampa with a hockey club. You know, that's a limpi- right. that's yeah. limping you're dog go- right now. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup every year from now until you know perpetuity, right? In perpetuity. But you did just win back-to-back Stanley right. Cups. They are limping. 
<laughs> heavily into the playoffs. Yes. They don't look, you know, last night finally. They don't look as formidable. Their coach called him out directly last night, which I thought, oh, this is his last resort. He's look, hitting the panic button. Well, it's all you can do, though, but I get it. They're ex- the way the seasons have overlapped and yep. the weirdness and the extra, and they're old. Oh, it's going to happen. You can't win it every year. But they might be able to reach back this one for more one time. one more go. Yeah. For all the marbles. And then understand that you're going to have to regroup a little. But if they don't, eh, you know? Yeah. You stand up and applaud at the end of that. That's like when yes. you know you have a young club yes. in baseball and or whatever. And they go on an incredible run, yes. an improbable run, yep. and they finally get ousted by the better team with deeper pitching. You don't boo that. You don't lose in Game right. 7 of the NLCS and talk about how disappointed you are. Rather, as they exit the field, you stand and applaud and say, well done, we'll be back, we'll reload, we're gunning for you. That's what Florida has done with the Panthers. They've been chasing, 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 and vanquished by their superiors in Tampa. Multiple, you know, this is, it's okay. Their pain is understood. They've had to earn it. They've had to eat it. They've had to suck on it for the last several years. That's the well, way it works. Yeah. And, you know, the Lightning are a little tired now. We might have to move out of the way finally. <laughs> well, Game 7 would be a little bit tougher to get up and, and just because, the you know, yeah, the yeah, sadness. The emotions of but game if it's seven. in 5 and you're like, well, you know, they're just put them out of their misery. That's okay. Then you well, get up and you're a little misty out. You go, unbelievable, thank guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so That's much. That's right. We've enjoyed. I've got multiple shirts exclaiming the excellence in hockey that has been provided here in Tampa Bay. What's I your mean, Venmo? Goodness, goodness gracious. You got a Venmo? Yeah. An extra 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it'll make a world of difference. Man. Appreciate you. Now that we sit here with three Stanley Cup titles, I don't know. Let somebody else have one. I mean, goodness gracious. Right. That's what you do. And for the Bucks, you know, I mean, I get it. If you're a Falcons fan and you're tired of the Bucks and you hope this is the last, I get it. I mean, we'll move out of the way. We'll take our... Our two Lombardi trophies, and you, you, again. You'll get Pickett. You effort to eventually win one. There you go. Mm, you know, with Pickett, nice. good luck. <laughs> where we want to get as a football program yeah. here is where at the end of a bowl game. You're like, oh, well, Win or lose. Let you, a run. You stand up at a play and say, ten wins. How about that? Ten wins. Woo! Ten wins. What Way is to go. this dream of which you speak, sir? Uh, My goodness it, gracious. It's a memory of 2010 and winning the Chick-fil-A Bowl against South Carolina. Because that, that was the 10th win of that season. And yeah, you know, and I remember being very proud exiting that facility. Uh, yep. More Chick-fil-A than anybody has a right to eat in a given evening. And then Jimbo gave the fiery speech that was about two years too early. But he's like, we understand where we're going. Yeah. We know yeah. what we're doing. Well, I mean, if you and don't then, have the NC State game, it could have been. And then 11, well, 11 was bad. Year. Well, whatever. Buddy. That was losing yeah, to wake yeah, off yeah, a bye. Yeah, well, that, well, yeah, well, a lot of stuff there. He didn't understand where he was going through well, the he bye. He hadn't quite buttoned it up yet. He, yeah. he understood that Clint in Trickett truth, could do enough, and he was wrong. Tr- well, in truth, that is the totality of his career, right? The window of uh, exceptionalism coincided solely with Jameis Winston. That has been true at Texas A&M and at his time previous to Jameis Winston at Florida State. So, until he proves otherwise, that is always going to be the small window. Look, man, he's got a national championship trophy at, at Texas A&M. <laughs> they just got to put the date in. There's no, yeah, there's no date. But he's got one. There's no accomplishment there to he, add to the legend. It's a trophy. He's been given the trophy. Uh, it, I actually think it was like a like a mantle thingy that didn't have the trophy because the trophy hasn't actually been won. So it's sort of just like a... It just said national championship, like here's where we would place the crystal ball, but it yeah. It is a national championship trinket of sorts. It's a it's a holder. It's a holder. It's like uh, something that you would set on a microwave. 
Like, oh, there's that thing that sits in the microwave. I've been thinking about moving that. It's just sitting there. Really, it's not where it belongs, but I don't know where else to put it right now. And it's so you've got not ca- bothering anybody. It's just sitting there. You have a countertop microwave? No, okay, so let me tell you this story. Uh, my, right. my microwave, uh, the one that's above the stove that's set back in the way the modern microwaves are, uh, above the stove, it, it broke. It broke. And it was an older microwave. And so trying to find, because somebody built a cabinet around it before we moved in, the exact dimensions of the new microwave really didn't work out for us. Didn't work out. Now, this is kind of uh, Bush League, uh, but I just left it there because the clock still worked, and I like the clock. I like the clock. It's a very manly thing to do. Yeah, I like hey, the clock at, works. Yeah, I like glancing at the clock when I come in there and I'm making my stuff. If I'm making sandwiches, for example, I look right up above right. me. And I go, ooh, it's six oh two. Okay, and then I get done. I do this. Oh, six oh six, and then I know. But you could put valuables in there. Nobody would think to look if they were, if they raided your house. Like, look in the microwave. Yeah. that's where all of his gold is. You know what's in there? Oven mitts. Oh, okay. Oven mitts. I would have guessed uh, Flex Seal. Various kinds of oven mitts are in there. Nice. You've got the oven mitts for the stove right in so the indoor. So it's a drawer. It's, it's, it's kind of become a drawer with a clock. And so then I get and I get the uh, I get the really hardcore oven mitts that allows you to actually touch the grill, my outside grill. My big, the, the, the pit boss, when I go out there and I'm moving the meats and stuff, I can put my hand, that's where they go. That's where they go. Now, you can't have a house without a microwave, though. So... If I was going to leave that there, I had to go get a microwave, and I went and got me like a, a Target jobber, like a, like a 78 bucks thingy, and just put it in the corner, and my lament is that it takes up space that's unnecessary. I could have just removed this other one, but that's a pain in the ass, and I'm being lazy, and I like the clock. And secondly, uh, th- my wife puts stuff on top of that microwave, and I don't like it, and this is a debate we have. Like that, you know, this isn't a thing where we rest stuff on the microwave. It's the microwave has a purpose. It's not to hold stupid stuff like yeah, candlesticks. And- but it can't be damaged. The stuff on top of the microwave, you're good. Like it yeah, can't be I, burned but, or but something like not, it's a toaster oven. But it's not a piece of furniture in that way. That's not what we do. We don't put things. This isn't like a. But we put oven mitts in it. That's no, what. That's in what the we broken can do. one. In <laughs> the broken one. And and it's tinted, so you can't see that there are oven mitts in there. That's where a, I can yeah. see the stuff on top of the other microwave. That's where I would buy. I'm the, looking at it. I would get the gold these people are slinging during our commercial breaks, and mm-hmm. that's where I would put it. Because make sure you want to trust silver, gold. Throw it in the microwave. I'm sure, it could handle it. If I ever break into your house, I'm going straight to the microwave. <laughs> we have a there countertop be, one there because there could be pies, there could be gold, there could be <laughs> anything of great value. The previous owners did not carve out anything in the uh, in the cabinetry. For a suspended microwave, so we've got a countertop one, mm-hmm. and stuff's on it. Like that's where the, like the breads go, you know, or or the tortillas. Yeah, we got a basket of tortillas. When you're doing that, the breads and the tortillas are getting a little warmed up every time you use the microwave. Oh. Yeah, they are. Touch them. I dare you. Touch them after you use that microwave for any length of time. I do. I'm telling you, they well because they, you suspect they, they provide me no up. warmth. You know, that's yeah. You know, you're like, oh, that's a little warm. They would not help it's not, me. It's not forever altered. It's still edible. But you can tell they've been warmed up a little bit unnecessarily. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Swish Irish won. No, Tampa Bay does not have three consecutive cups. They've won two consecutive cups. I was saying they're not going to win three consecutive cups. They have a total of three, or correct, they won with torts. So I'm saying they have three Stanley Cup titles, for example, and the Panthers don't. So I was referencing the fact that at some point they've got to go win something, whereas the Lightning have the, the three Stanley Cup. Tampa sports uh, lore, mm. John Tortorella and Tom Brady are very similar insofar as that Tortorella won a cup with the Lightning, and then it was the sweep at the hands of Tortorella that got their butts in gear and mm-hmm. put them in a position to win back-to-back. And then if it wasn't for the tuck rule, John Gruden would have never been in Tampa Bay because John Gruden would have been coaching in the Super Bowl the with Tom the Raiders, Brady yeah. And maybe they would have won that Super Bowl. But and alas! And? Thank it, goodness for that really good rule. Because the league loves Brady, and that rule is ridiculous, Brady, in a way, had a hand in both Tampa Bay Super Bowls. Yay! Strange. Very strange, Ryan. I want to answer your, um, uh, you know, your your, your observation, and um, I can I can say this definitively. He writes, "I still wonder if Andy Miller says yes, Jimbo will build your facility if he doesn't stay locked in and gets fields and keeps it rolling." He pretty much did, Ryan. He did. Uh, Jimbo was broken and hated certain members, including Andy Miller, of the Boosters and was one foot out the door at that point with a broken home life and a shattered existence. He was not going to stay despite assurances that all of the things that he wanted would be given. It didn't matter. didn't matter. He got what he wanted. The first thing he wanted was the indoor parties facility. He got it without a problem. It's beautiful. It was well done. All of it. And he screwed that up, by the way, because his original design for what it was going to be started and then stopped because of the plumbing system, and they screwed that up and had to restart, and it cost him a ton of money. He got everything he wanted. He was broken. This was nothing to do with yeses or nos regarding facilities. He was going to get it. Now, the problem he has is the same problem all coaches have. They want what they want yesterday. So it's not, you're going to get it, can you wait a year, we need to break ground on this other thing that we've promised, or we're going to do this other thing, and then we're going to get to yours, don't worry about it, we will. Uh, it didn't matter to him. It, it was, it was, he was facilitating a way out because of his life being in shambles. And, I mean, that's, listen, I, I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't like the way that he went about certain things, and I've commented on that. I've also highlighted his successes and, and the things that he did really well as a coach and everything in between. There's no perfect people. That's me, you, that's any of us, right? So that, that, there's no big deal there. But he was a man of extremes. And, you know, I think, I think that was a situation that was completely broken by the time it was realized in the sense of, oh, this is never going to end. This is not going to end well at all. This is... Um, this is broken. We can't mend this. Uh, you hate us. We hate you. And this is, I mean, no matter what we say, you've got a problem with it. No matter what you say, um, you know, publicly anyhow, you're, you're doing something else behind the scenes. So. Well, and they were two fundamentally flawed organizations. You know, FSU football at that time with the coaches that were being retained. And, and he could argue that well, we needed to spend $2 million on a replacement or whatever. But then the, also the structure of how the money is procured and how the money is greenlit. You know, it just it right, was right. So we were well old. behind. We uh, were well decades. behind. Antiquated, yes, antiquated, yes. yes. All that needed to get better, but yeah, no. The other thing is too, you know, there was a, uh, I would say, certainly more than a reluctance. Uh, there was an outright refusal to make obvious changes to a staff he knew needed 
to shift and wouldn't. Those were his friends, and he wasn't going to make those changes. If you look at the offensive line, coach specifically. Uh, Not sure how friendly they were, given he didn't really reach well, out to him. Well, again, we're talking about broken people doing broken things during an ugly time. And when it all falls apart, everybody runs for higher ground, and he had the highest hill to run, too. He had the loving arms of a desperate fan base with an alumni group that is – tired of not mattering at all despite having more money to throw at the problem than anybody else in college football and so uh when you have an influential agent to say the least i mean his agent being the king of agents in college football um then what they do is they play the game they play the game those are all those coaches are chess pieces that's all they are they say you know what this guy's worn out his welcome over here but i also represent this school over here who appreciates what he's done maybe i'll move you from here to here now i need somebody to fill this role but hey guess what i got an up-and-coming client over here that would love that role so let's just move the pieces a little bit around either way i'm making a ton of money wait till he starts representing college or high school athletes before they enter college you think he's how about the Sexton NIL organization? You think you think he's young enough to do that? I think he's probably made his money and doesn't want to involve well, himself in that game. Maybe he's got a junior who is well, going to take uh, over yeah, the yeah, firm, yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. the wave of the future: is just to represent a yeah. collective amount of high school players and start, uh, you know, organizing where they're going to land. Yeah, I, I think uh, again, um, that stuff is always fun to kind of look back on, and, and and a lot of us try to put a ribbon on it. You want to you want to make it a neat and simple sort of straightforward answer, but in truth, it was we. You remember Tom and I've gotten a ton of things wrong over the years, and I've gotten a ton of things right and everything in between. Uh, but I was telling you, like my fears were that this thing was flying into the side of the mountain the year before it actually flew into the side of the mountain. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with.